Dynamite this week wasn't about wrestling, was it? It was about who's going to be joining AEW. Is it Keith Lee? Is it Jeff Hardy? Some people have suggested it might be Shane McMahon. <laughs> yeah, is it Luthez? Buddy Rogers? Yeah. Could be anybody, couldn't it? I mean, Danhausen's joined, so it could be anybody, couldn't it? Not that I've got anything against Danhausen. He's he, he's okay as a as a as an act, okay. But it was about who's going to to join. And sometimes AEW, and I like AEW. Let me say that I don't watch WWE because I don't like it. Maybe I should start doing that to get a really low bar. And I watch a lot of wrestling, and I like AEW. I've got a subscription, and sometimes it doesn't excite me because of all these twists and turns and red herrings and all of that carny nonsense and there was some of that tonight it was a shame that this wasn't about the wrestling because there was some good wrestling in this and when AEW does that wrestling I like it but when it doesn't as at the beginning of this program I don't like it. Wardrobe was in first. They they made a lot of him. Oh, he hasn't got a he hasn't got any kind of introduction. Brings cutouts of MJF in. They didn't give him an introduction. Sean Spears, he's got an introduction. FTR, they've got an introduction with champagne. But then after this little segment, Wardrobe's got a match in which he gets an introduction. So it made a nonsense if you say there's no introduction. I mean they've been teasing this I'm not very happy with MJF for Wardlow for ages it's really boring now you've overdone it we know what's going to happen his work is clear he's not hiding it we know what's going to happen unless you're going to swerve us and that would be even worse okay you've got MJF being carried on a throne Excalibur seems to have looked up the word for this he knows the word for it and, and he's telling us he does. You know, he's giving us the word. He's rolling it round his mouth. So clearly, we knew this was going to happen, which makes the rest of it all of, oh, what a surprise. The pinnacle is back. God. So he's celebrating because he beat CM Punk. A lot of people can beat CM Punk. He's not a fantastic wrestler anymore. And it was an okay match last week, but God, it was long. I mean, God, it was long. Okay. So we then cut to a light on the stage. I don't know why, but Punk comes out after. Oh, um, MJF talks about I, I, because he's, he's getting lots of, lots of shouts from the crowd. Your heartwarming words. He has to. He calls them heartwarming words. So he has to go back and say, heartwarming words, yeah. He doesn't give us anything that might that you think, oh my God, that's a singer. Nothing like that. So Punk comes out. I mean, that Tony Schiavone goes out to interview him. Why? Why can't he just come out with a microphone? He brings in Alan, Alan and Sting. After a pause, takes him ages to come out because he needs help. He can't do it on his own anymore. He's been shown... I reckon that he just, he needs help. He needs some people in the back. Yeah. 
And MJF says, if you want me again, which he does, I will, you can, you, if you fight FTR with a partner, but not Sting and Derby, who he calls Tweedledum and Tweedledipshit, that's the best line in this segment. And it was a long segment. Punk has to find a partner. And as MJF said, if you can find somebody who likes you in the back, it was a real bore. It made MJF look less than he is. We had the pinnacle back who were less than they ever were. And even that wasn't good when they started. And you got Punk, who really is getting less of a, of a shout now and is bringing the whole thing down. He's destabilising it. Then you go on to Andrade, who's just, I mean, he's, he's, com- he's lost. He's completely lost. He's talking to Sting and Darby about, you will work with me. He's, they've already said no. So it, it, it's not... It's not done excitingly enough that you think maybe he'll have to persuade them and maybe Darby will walk away from his mentor's sting. It's not done with enough delicacy and enough interest and enough acting, to be frank, that you think that's going to happen. It's just, it's such a... And then Andrade tells us he's going to be the next TNT champ. Well, he'd have to wrestle a bit to get that, wouldn't he? You'd have to actually wrestle. You know, going that thing, that, that that squared circle and put some wrestling in, you'd have to do that, wouldn't you? Unless they're not really bothered and they're not bothered about these rankings, which were so famous when they started and so fabled, and they're going to put people together, which they do. Okay, next we've got Blade versus Wardrobe. I haven't seen Blade in a while. I like Bunny, I like Blade. But this is not a dynamite match, is it? This is actually just a squash match. So really what you're saying is, we need somebody who's not bottom level, we need somebody who's mid-level for Wardrobe to beat. Wardrobe, well, Blade sort of works on the leg. I didn't see what he did. He must have worked on the leg, because Wardrobe is limping at one point. It's a belly-to-belly throw, then a delayed vertical suplex. I mean, Blade gets a, a knee strike, which is very nice, but then he's power-bombed four times, as we've seen before, for the pin. It was a squash, really. And next, there's another segment I don't want to see. The Inner Circle meeting, in which Jericho, like some kind of like some kind of father, like some kind of stern Victorian father, is asking Santana Ortiz, you come to the ring, young men. Next week, you come to the ring. So they do. He's got Jake Hager, whose trousers are far too short for him, and Sammy Guevara, who's actually the breakout star of this Inner Circle. And actually, this is all about Guevara. It's not about Santana and Ortiz. Santana and Ortiz deserve to be on their own. And they do say, Santana tells Jericho, it's always been about you. I don't think that's wrong. Guevara, Guevara gets upset, tries to stop them shouting. Jericho tells him to shut up. And Guevara leaves his vest in the ring. So I quit once before, I'll do it again. And it's all about him being that breakout star. And he might as well be, because he's the only one who's got a belt in the inner circle. He says it's in a circle forever. I really hope not. And next week, there'll be a tag team match and Sammy will probably be watching suspended from a cage or something. I don't know. He's still wearing the two belts, by the way, the interim belt and the real belt. I don't know why. And here are the books. Beating up, is it Trent Barretta? I kind of lost. 
I lost interest, but then my interest was piqued by a new member of the inner circle, Jay White. He's walked through the forbidden door. Stop that forbidden door crap. I'm really bored with that now. You pushed it so much, it's boring. Like all the carny crap and all the twists and turns. It gets boring. He's there, he beats up. Was it Trent Beretta? Was it, was it, was it the other best friend? Was it Chuck? I don't know. Anyway, he's here. And later on, the inner circle are going to say to, to after Cole seems to know what's going on, say, did you know anything about Jay White? And Brandon's saying, I think I read it on, I think I saw it on Reddit. I read it on Reddit. So that's going to sort of, it's the super duper elite now, isn't it? But Bullet Club forever, you see? Now the books don't like that because Cole's taken over. And quite right. Okay, Isaiah Cassidy versus who's this going to be? Oh, bask in his glory. Yes, bask in his glory. For he is a limitless. Do, 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 do. Bask in his glory. For he is A-W. Yeah, so there you go. So we've got that. Keith Lee's in. Now, I'm very pleased to see him in. I am dead pleased that he is in AEW. I think he was misused when he went to the main roster in WWE. And he is an extraordinary big man with a great charisma who can do absolutely loads. And people like Miro are either going to be looking at that and thinking, that's my, that, he could be taking my spot. Or he could be thinking, we could work really well together. I'd love to see a match there. But anyway, funnily enough, I, it, what we didn't have was loads of private party business here. Matt Hardy left halfway through because I think he thought, I'm not staying to look at this decimation. And Isaiah Cassidy did try to do stuff, but really Keith Lee played with him. We didn't get much screaming, which is a shame. Um, he played with him, hit him with a pounce. Keith, again, um, Isaiah Cassidy went for the spinning kick and Keith Lee just not even swatted, punched his leg away, which was nice. Hit a pop-up fireman's carry and a power slam for the pin. It was what we expected. We needed to get him in. It was nice to see it. And I'm really delighted. Plus, the after the bell shenanigans of a private party, one after the other. Catch one, put him down. Catch the other, powerbomb him onto your mate. And then onto the apron. <laughs> that was nicely done. Just to say, don't, don't bother with that. I can do all that. It should really work well. Delighted to see that. Not so delighted to see Sammy come out with his cards. God, it took ages. Because he, he wants to tell us so much. He wants to tell us about what happened in the inner circle earlier. What's going to happen. Who, who his contenders are. About the TNT belt. And then about the face of the revolution ladder match. God, he's telling us so many things. He's there for about 40 minutes. Well, it seemed that long. We've had one hour and we've had two matches so far. So... FTR versus uh, CM Punk and his mate from the back, Moxley. It, it took Moxley two minutes to get into the ring. Two minutes. There is some good work here, actually. There's a nice double DDT from John Moxley, which is good. Punk sells his, uh, that he's hurt his knee. Oh, no, he's hurt a body part. So he's going to be even more important when he wins. It's the Cody Rhodes deal. Excalibur, Excalibur tells us this is a dream tag team match. I never really dreamt about it. It wasn't something I... Ooh, just think if CM Punk could team up with John Moxley, wouldn't that be good? 
I don't think anybody's really thinking that, are they? <sighs> Mox is put through the timekeeper's table. We've seen that so many so many times. Some wrestling might be nice. So, Mox hits an atomic drop to one, a back suplex to the other of FTR. That's good. Nice demolition finisher with the leg drop rather than the elbow. Then Punk hits a clothesline because he needs to bring it down. There you go. And they hit a doomsday device, which is lovely, for a long two. Nicely done. Then FTR get the ring bell, and Punk goes to the ropes, smacked with that, brain buster, for a long two. The crowd popped for that, and that's good work. And this match is becoming much better. Moxley comes in and breaks up the big rig from FTR, which is great. Mox gets the rear naked choke. Punk gets the anaconda device. Tony Blanchard comes in, and then it all, GTH, goes to hell. Because Punk gets him on the shoulders for the GTS. Can't quite lift him. Blanchard isn't really used to... I don't think he's really ready for that. Tries to get him up again. It doesn't work. It's a, it's becoming a bit of a mess. And they go to the end, which is... One gets the GTS. One gets the Paradigm Shift to win. Now, whether or not that was supposed to happen before... And Blanchard thought, I'll come in because... It didn't work properly. I don't know. But it was a bit of a mess at the end. However, this was a good match. Unlike AQA versus Jade Cargill. I don't care about Jade Cargill. Why? She's one-dimensional. She's got power. She's got that sassy thing. That's all. She doesn't give us anything under that. It's all surface. And I'm bored. This match took a little longer than the two or three minutes we usually get. Because she's fighting AQA. Who comes from Reality of Wrestling and has been trained by Booker T because Reality of Wrestling is Booker T's federation, his promotion. And it's good, actually. So, it lasts a bit longer. I didn't think it would, but it did. Cargo gets a lot of the offense in, as you might expect. She throws AQA down to begin with, then she works on the arm, but she doesn't know what to do with it. She works on the arm first, then she gets the wrist, doesn't do anything with it. When you've got a wrestling move, I'm not quite sure what comes next, it seems. AQA then hits a lovely fast arm drag. But um, Cargill picks her up, of course, holds her. AQA, she, she picks her up on, with one arm on her shoulder. AQA sells it, good facials there. Then she dumps her. AQA hits a pop-up drop kick, which is nice. Not seen that for a while, actually. Nicely done. Double suplex on the, oh, sorry, not a double suplex. A Cargill suplex on the outside. It'd be difficult for her to put her in two places at the same time. And a kip up. Then back in the ring, a fallaway slam, which is nice. Hits the military press, drops her. At this point, the crowd are absolutely silent. They don't care. And I'm not surprised. There's a sling blade and a tilt-a-whirl at DDT. Then a nice shooting star press from AQA. And that's good work. It's better wrestling manoeuvres than Cargill. It's fast. It's accurate. It works. Excalibur is just so excited. He's really having to ramp up the excitement to try and get the crowd up. He's virtually screaming here. And then there's a massively fast black hole slam, which is good, actually, from Cargill. Looks good. And that jaded thing she does for the pin. It was a better match than Jade Cargill has had in recent times. Well, ever in AEW. I mean, last, a few weeks ago, she was taking a bit longer. This was a good match. Showed what she could do. AQA is great to work with. AQA showed some good offense as well. It was mainly Cargill. She's bound to win. I'm still bored with her, but if she's taken a bit longer, maybe she can get some 
that she can't, can she get some more wrestling moves? Because when she worked on that arm, didn't know what to do with it. Still, I like to see some longer matches because I want to see her work a bit harder. Serena Deeb, on the other hand, is just fabulous. She's now the professor and she's got a five minute rookie challenge. It didn't work at all though, really. It's a shame because they've been trying these promos for a while, which is kind of rocky promos, really well done. And she's she's got Katie Arquette, who has worked with AEW before, in the ring, hits a spinning neck breaker, then wrenches back on the leg, single Boston Crab really, for a pin at the one minute mark. Now, it will feed into the character, I really hope so, but at the moment, it's not really working that well. And then we've got our main event, which is Archer versus Page. It's a Texas death match where you have to beat a 10 count or you can win by submission. I don't, that's not a usual Texas death match, is it? It's been added that, hasn't it? Now, as I said before, I really like Hangman Page. I think he's a great wrestler. Archer, I'm kind of over because he's challenged many times for different titles and fallen short most of the time in AEW. So he's a bit, the guilt's off the gingerbread with him, really. He's been away and come back and he's got Dan Lambert and nice to see Jake Roberts with him. And Jake's going to get involved in the action. And it's such a shame they didn't uh, go through with it. But more of that in a minute. This had to be a brutal matchup, and it was. There was either Hardway or Bladed Bleeding. There was, and uh, you know, it actually became quite a good match, to be honest. It started in the back, with, with because Archer likes to start like that, so Paige got the, got the leap on him, got the jump on him, and he can do this sort of thing, Paige. Throws him into some flight cases, then into a, a metal folding ladder thing. Um, Archer is bleeding from the off. Lambert then comes into the ring to take the top rope off, which uh, Shivani says, well, if he does that, then you can't get the buckshot lariat. Good point. It was a good point from Shivani, who actually is wearing stonewashed bleached jeans and a jacket. Doesn't, it's not a great look, to be honest. Now, then you've got um, a standing moonsault off the guardrail for Paige, which is great. Archer comes in and gouges Paige's forehead with the hook from the uh, the turnbuckle, which wouldn't generally, it's not sharp enough, it wouldn't generally make you bleed, so it's a blade job. And later on, Paige will be wearing the crimson mask, half the crimson mask, and let music set you free, the music of the night. It looks a bit like Phantom of the Opera, you know, but, but, but in red. Yeah, so you've got, then um, they're on the, they, they set two tables up on the, uh, not for dinner, no, you know, on the, on the outside, and they're both on the apron, and they tease it for ages, like, who's going to fall through? Is it you? Is it me? I'm going to make sure it's you. I'm going to make sure it's you. We'll keep going for ages. Then on the outside, suddenly, Jake Roberts hits the, hits the short clothesline, and he makes the sign of the DDT, and the crowd pop massively. Now, I know he's an older bloke, and he might not be able to do it, but Archer stops him, and he just seems like such a spoil sport, and unseen by Archer later on, Jake seems to give him the finger, and I think the crowd are doing that metaphorically too. Yeah, so he then hits kendo sticks and gets a fork out, not for dinner at the table, no, 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 
He's doing an Abdullah the Butcher situation where he's jabbing it into Paige's forehead and then he's licking the fork. Oh, you naughty boy. Actually, that isn't good because anything could be, you know, it's not, you shouldn't be mingling, you shouldn't be doing that. Not in today's situation or, or at all. Okay, so Archer then gets a chair with barbed wire on it. And what happens is the commentary goes, Cherry barbed wire, cherry barbed wire, cherry barbed wire. They're kind of taking the piss out of it. And that lessens the effect of it, to be honest. Oh, barbed wire chair, barbed wire chair, but I think it's that one. It's sort of a Three Stooges thing. And it just look, I'm not saying they're like the Three Stooges, but they're taking the mickey. And that's not good in a match of this nature, to be honest. Then there's a fantastic move, which is the blackout from, from Archer over the top onto the steel steps it wouldn't have hurt him that much but it looked fabulous and the ending is amazing because archers by the ropes difficult for for um for page to get to the ropes to get the torque he needs so he uses the ref to vault over spinning over him to hit the bookshot lariat they're both on the on on the the outside he makes it in at nine Archer doesn't make it in. That's a beautiful ending. And you know what? This match was something not special, but rather good. Just a shame that we're not thinking about that. We're thinking about Keith Lee and Jay White coming to AEW. Because sometimes that's more important than the wrestling, isn't it? It shouldn't be, but it is. Ta-ta.